0: Welcome to the podcast for Gateway Baptist Church. You're listening to a message from our Logan campus. Find us at gatewaybaptist.com.au if you'd like to connect with us as we seek to change lives by following Jesus in our community, our nation and our world. Church, who, are, who remembers one of these? All right, let's just, we're just gonna age ourselves for a moment. Who remembers one of these? Now, for those who don't know what this is, before we had this, we had these. Before this was kind of like you know flying solo with, with no wires, we had one of these things that, you know, kind of had, had had cables and wires and everything else. And, and I remember, I remember when I was a, I when I was a young adult, a teenager, and I would often call my girlfriend. And so I would have to go into the study, because that was where we had a phone. There was a phone in the study and there was a phone next to mum and dad's bed. And so you'd you sneak into the study and you'd slide the door closed and you'd do the do- I mean our one had was more like that, it you had know, the and like there was no like quick phone numbers. Like it was like and then I It was worse if anyone's phone number had a zero or a nine because they were right at the bottom. And you were like, you know, if you had to call triple O, that was the worst because it was four, three full things. Anyway, anyway. So I remember I would sneak into there and, you know, you'd have like a half an hour phone call, 35 minute phone call with Shadi, which for a bloke is a really long time. And inevitably, somewhere in the line, in the phone call, my brother would pick up, he would sneak into mum and dad's room, and he would pick up the other line, which meant you heard this. Click. And I knew what was gonna happen next. My brother would make some rude sounding noise into the phone, and, and I would have to yell at him. Who, who remembers this one? I'm on the phone! You know, you'd put you doing this, and you go, I'm on the phone! Because you had to yell to somewhere else in the house, yeah? There's a few people that remember that anyway. Everyone says it was looking a bit weird. All right. And so, you and I'd be there, and, and I still remember the moment. You know, I'm, I'm having a beautiful conversation with Shadi, and you'd always end the phone call like this. No, you hang up. No, you hang up. No, you hang up. No, you. my kids do that. Actually, they don't do it yet, but they will, and I'll want to go... <clears throat> And hang up for them, like so. And I remember I'm having this conversation with Shardy. We're sharing something and uh, deep and meaningful. And, and anyway, I remember the, I remember hearing on the other end of the phone. I heard this click, and I thought it's my flippin' brother again. And so I remember pulling the phone down and go, Oi, Phil, my drone business." And then I hear this. It's not Phil. It's your dad. At that moment, I thought it would be wise not to reiterate what I just said because I knew that when I hung up the phone, I was going to have to go and see my father and then I would be introduced to the stick, which was something that used to whack me on the bottom quite regularly and I wouldn't be able to sit down for a significant amount of time because I just told my dad to mind his own business. Who remembers these days? Yeah, who remembers those days where that was what a phone was now I'm going to make a statement this morning that's probably going to get a bunch of us to shift awkwardly in our seat so we just we just admit that and let's all just own that fact when I say the phrase mind your own business is that the motto that we tell God when it comes to our money See, we're in the middle, or we're drawing close to the end of a series called Who Are We? Where we're talking about the, the values of our church. We're talking about who we are as a church. You see, uh, we're talking about who we are rather than how we act. Because who we are informs how we act. And, and, and who we are is what we will become. And they inform how we live, not just how we act. And so we, we started the series talking about that we value the ones that God values the one so much so that he sent his only son. And so as a church, we value and we will not give up until we see everyone come to know Jesus. You know, the second week I preached on, we hunger for the presence of God, that we so deeply and desperately want a connection and a hunger for God that would change us from the inside out. And then last week, Pastor Derek preached on, we teach the Bible for every day. And this week, we're going to look at, we live with abundant generosity. So, if you've noticed something about that phrase, what it says is that we live with abundant generosity, not we give with abundant generosity. Because how many of us know it's easy to occasionally give with some generosity, but it's a whole different thing to live our lives according to generosity. So what we're going to do is we're going to jump into a passage. We're going to look, jump into a story this morning, but before we get into it, I need to confess, just like probably many of you will confess, that this is not always the easiest topic. And it's not always the, the go-to, our natural persona. So we're going to jump into a story this morning that God's going to challenge us with. And I want us to, as so we jump into this story, I want us to look at this story and read this story through a brand new lens, because it's probably a story that many of you know and it's found in Luke chapter 10 verse 30. So if you've got your bibles, open up to Luke chapter 10 verse 30. It's page 945 in my bible. I'm here to help. And this is what it says. A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. When he was attacked by robbers, they stripped him of his clothes and beat him and he went uh, and went away, leaving him half dead a priest happened to go down the road and when he saw the man he passed by on the other side take note of that on the other side so to a Levite when he came to the place he saw him and he passed him by on the other side pause see what's your honest reaction to the priest and the Levite I mean if we're completely honest here this morning how do you feel about, I mean, one guy gets beaten up, he's half dead, two blokes walk past, they cross over, on the other side of the road, they did the big wide berth around him, and what do we think of him? I mean, I don't know about you, but, but as, I, as I read this story, as I see this interaction of a priest and a Levite, priest and a leader in the community, and I watch them, I'm horrified, I'm confused, I shake my head, I shrug my shoulders, but then once I get past that, I get really, really angry of jerks are they? I mean, I mean, he's a pastor and he's a leader in the community and they see a guy who, who's who been beaten half to death and they go, we don't want to know about it. And they pretend and they look the opposite way and they walk past. But I mean, we've got what we've got to understand in this story was that this wouldn't have been a shock to everyone listening to the story. This wouldn't have been a shock to everyone else listening to the story that a robbery would occur in that place. Because they all knew that that road from, from Jerusalem to Jericho was, a, was one of the most unsafe roads in their community. And they all knew that it wasn't a place that you went by yourself because that was where robbers would hang out and they would, they would attack and they would beat and they would do all sorts of different people to try and get their possessions. And so they knew that this was a hot spot for all that type of stuff. And here we find the priest and the Levi, and they probably, I I wonder if they begin to reason with themselves about their actions. I mean, I wonder if they sat there and, well, you know what, it probably served him right. I mean, honestly, if if you're doing that, I mean, you know as much as I know, as much as we all know, that that's not the place you walk along by yourselves. I mean, so I mean, I wonder what he must have done to actually deserve what he found himself in. I mean, after all, I mean, under Jewish law, it was forbidden for a Jew to touch a dead body. And I wonder how many of them kind of went, you know, looked and went, well, he's still moving. But I mean, the Bible says that he's half dead. He's pretty close to it so they went, well, you know what, we can reason to ourselves the fact that, you know what, I'm, we're not going to go to his age. Because what happens if he dies while we're helping him and then we've just sinned and then we can't go to the temple and I can't do a job and we can't do all of these different things. So we we'll just, we'll just pretend he's dead and that way we don't have to actually go and help him. They begin to justify their actions. How many of us have said something like that or or maybe at least thought something like that. Oh, I'm going to confess, I am guilty as charged. You see, before we started this campus and we didn't live in Logan, I would often hear the stories of what people said about people in Logan. And I would often come to my own, you know, equations around what people in Logan were really like. And then I met you guys and you fulfilled all... No, 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 no. (laughs) And then I met you, and you, unfortunately, met me. Or maybe we find ourselves a little bit like the priest and the Levi, and they had more important things to do. I mean, you know, no doubt they're on the way to a different campus or a different church or a different something. They're on their way to somewhere to do something. And so, you know, their time was valuable. Their time was important. And, and, I, and, I'm, and, I'm, and I'm sure along the line they kind of went, you know what, I would love to stop. Well, maybe, actually, I don't want to. But, you know, I'd love to think I would stop. But I just don't have time. I mean, time is valuable, people. And, and I just don't have any extra. And, and if the reality is, look, if I stop and I help this guy, it's going to get messy. Like it's getting physically messy, it's, I don't really know what I'm going to do, and so it's going to get messy and it's going to get inconvenient. And I'd probably suggest that it's going to get inconvenient and then it's probably going to get expensive because there's going to be medical, there's going to be medical things that are going to have to happen to this guy to make sure that he's okay. And I can imagine them justifying all of these things in their own heart. And I wonder if they went, you know what, I'd love to stop, but I just don't have any, you know what, we're saving for that holiday. You know, we really, COVID's over, we want to get out overseas, we want to do something. And so I'd love to help, but you know what, I just don't, we're saving. Like, we're saving and we're diligent with saving. That's going to blow all my savings. So I'm just not going to do it because I just don't want to do it. But I'm going to blame on the fact that I don't, it's not important. He's not important. Well, actually he is, but I shouldn't say that out loud. And, you know, but then this is what happens in verse 33. But then a Samaritan, as he traveled, came to where the man was. And when he saw him, he took pity on him. Now, I want to explain for a second why this is so significant and why, to those hearers of this story, they all would have sucked air together and gone, You can't do that. Because, because what we've got to do is we've got to rewind back to 930 BC. When David was the king of Israel, he just passed away, and Solomon, his son, became the, the next king of Israel, and everything was on the up and the up. The temple was built, things were going amazingly well, and then King Solomon dies, and the nation of Israel falls apart. Literally, it falls into two halves, the southern kingdom and the northern kingdom. And in the, the southern kingdom, their capital was Jerusalem. And in the northern kingdom, their capital was Samaria. And in and, and, and the, the northern kingdom with, the, with the, the, the city of Samaria, the capital Samaria, they began to build a temple to, to God because the, the, the temple was in Jerusalem and they didn't want to go to Jerusalem. So they built their own temple in Samaria and they built a golden calf. Now, Remember the golden calf in Exodus? So they begin, a golden, they begin to, to, to build this golden calf and worship this golden calf, which only made the, the nation or the southern kingdom of Israel more angry at the northern uh, part of Israel. And so they begin to clash. They begin to hate each other. They begin to fight against each other. And they begin to despise each other. And I couldn't think of anything more uh, kind of feeling than those words. They didn't like each other at all. To the point where both kingdoms made a law, they made a decree, you know what, you are not allowed to marry you. There is no like intermarried breeding thing going on. You are not allowed to do that. And so this is what was happening. And make it even more bizarre, the capital of the the, the southern um, nation with, with Jerusalem and the capital of the northern nation with Samaria was only 20 kilometers apart. Now I did Google research and our campus and our Ormo campus are exactly 20 kilometers apart. That'd be like us hating them, we don't, but us hating them and wanting nothing to do with each other and yet we are that close to one another. So for 550 years, they all fight. They all yell each other. They all abuse each other. They're all, I and mean, then genera- after, after, generation after generation are born hating each other. You know, I, can, I wonder what the little, you know, the, the stories at night were sounding like. You know, Mary had a little lamb and he hated the other ones. You know, and, and so I don't know how it worked, but generation after generation were born and grew up hating with a deep hatred their other part of their kingdom. And yet, who was the one that stopped? I find this so challenging and so confronting because this is how Jews and Samaritans hated it. This is why they hated each other. And yet, who was the one that stopped? A Samaritan. See, the priest and the Levite only saw a skin color, an addiction, a tattoo, an ex-inmate, a disability. And how many of us are just like that still today? We can't get over a skin color. We can't get over an addiction. We can't get over a tattoo We're an ex-inmate or someone and we, uh, someone with a disability. And we look at them and we so easily judge them and we miss the fact that they are a child of God just like you are and just like I am. And as we, as we look at them and as we judge them and we step back and we suck air and we try and look the other way so we try and avoid them. Yet it was the ones that Jesus gave his life for, just like he did for you and just like he did for me. But I want us to flip this story on its head for a moment. Imagine now being the guy lying in the corner and you've beaten and bloody with with an inch of your death. And there is no hope. Everyone keeps walking past and doing a wide berth around you. And then you see your pastor and you think, you know what, Pastor Dave's arrived, he'll help. And I do a big wide berth around you and pretend I didn't see you and keep walking too. And then you see one of the other leaders in the church and you're like, you know what, Mike leads worship. Mike, I mean, he's a good guy. Like he's the most incredible, generous, loving, caring guy I know. He's going to be there for me. And then Mike wanders on the far side. Oh, look at the birdies. And he leaves you there. No one stops because they don't want to be inconvenienced by your predicament. See, we live in a very selfish and consumeristic culture, don't we? I mean, let me, let me illustrate it. In fact, let me prove it by four words. Floods and bulk buy, buying. Is that four words? Yes, it is. You know, we live in a, in a selfish and consumeristic world. How many people have ever played Pictionary? Is anyone good at Pictionary? I'm okay against my kids. Okay, so you're like, like I, I love playing Pictionary, and I love, I love when the card flips up and it looks like this. You know, it's the, it's the all play card. You know that card? I love those ones because now it's not just a competition. Because I'm a little bit competitive. It, it's not just a competition, you know, kind of between us to win. It's now competition against everyone, and I've got to win. All right, That's just how I'm wired. And, and 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 I love, I love this story because. God wants us all to be involved. He wants us all to participate. And that's why Jesus shares this story with us. but, But you know what I find so challenging about it? Is that when I walk down the street and I see a homeless person, and I have been guilty as charged of looking the other direction. Now, I know I shouldn't say that in church. But it is the reality. You know, when I walk down the church and I see someone like that and I look the other way because at that moment, I'm as guilty as the priest and the Levite. And and we can all sit here and go, Dave, I just wish you'd mind your own business. But back to the parable. Back to this story that Jesus shares. The Jewish man is attacked by a group of robbers. He's left for dead on the side of the road. And the religious leaders walk past and they ignore him. And then the Samaritan stops. I wonder what it must have been like to be the guy half dead on the ground. I wonder if the moment where hope began to spring up in his heart, as he recognized he saw a figure through the blood and through the everything else that was going on, he saw a figure beginning to walk into him. And he thought, you know what, someone has come and helped me. Thank you, God. But then I wonder what the moment must have been like when he recognized that that person coming towards him was a Samaritan. I wonder, now I'm just speculating here, but I wonder if in that moment, whether he thought, oh, awesome, they've come to finish off the job that the other people didn't do so well. And I wonder in that moment whether he began to clench his fist and he was about to say, just mind your own business. But then this is what he did in verse does in verse 34, and he went to him, and he bandaged his wounds, and poured oil and wine, then he put the man on his own donkey, and he brought him to an inn, and took care of him, the next day he took out two denarii, and he gave it, to his, gave it, gave them to the innkeeper, and said, look after him, he said, and when I return, I'll reimburse you for any extra expenses you have. I reckon at that moment, every, everyone listening to the story of Jesus would have sucked air and gone, what? I mean, that doesn't happen. I mean, you understand, like, this is Jesus, you know what you're saying? I mean, this is a southern kingdom Jew against a Samaritan, and it is against, they don't like each other, and it's always been like that, and it's always going to be like that, and do you understand where you just, like that just, that's never going to, great story, that's never going to happen. You see, I, I love, I love this story because it reveals the heart of the gospel. It shows us that our God is a generous God an outrageously generous God, that that he gave his one and only son for us, and that he calls us to be like the Samaritan who showed generosity to his enemy. And as I was reading through this, I I realized that the Samaritan was, was generous with three Ts. He was generous with his time. You know, he stopped and he acknowledged the guy, and he spent time with him trying to bandage his wounds to help him. And then it says that he put him on his own donkey, which means that the Samaritan had to walk, and his enemy was able to ride. And he he took his enemy out of his way. He spent his time, and he took him to the inn, and he spoke to the innkeeper. And it it seems to say that he stayed there the night to make sure that this Jew would make it through the night alive. And so I wonder how much sleep he got that night. He took all of this time for someone that... From, the, from his very birth, was taught to despise and hate. He was generous with his time. He was generous with his talents. You know, I love the Bible with the little tiny details that we kind of just overlook. It says that he, he bandaged the wounds and he poured wine and oil. To us, that seems like a waste of uh, wine and oil. But for him, he knew that in that culture and in that time, these were antiseptics. This is what they would use to to make sure that wounds didn't get infected and wounds would heal. So he obviously knew something around what you would do in these kind of moments. So he used his talents. He was generous with his talents. And lastly, he was generous with his treasure. You know, it it says here that he, he gave the innkeeper two denarii. All of us go. I have no idea what two denarii is. Well, two denarii or one denarii was worth a day's wage. So he gave two days' wages for an enemy, so that he might be kept safe. And then what blows my mind is he said, and and, and when, when I and then I'll come back more time. And when I come back, I will I'll check in, and if he's cleared out the you know the the, the, the food, what do you call it when you when you order food in a in a hotel? Room service, thank you very much. You know, if, you, if he's cleared out the room service than the mini bar, then what I'll do is I will pay, I will fix up the bill. If he stayed more, you know, more time, then I'll fix up that bill. What blows my mind is that here is a guy who is generous with his time, his talents, and his treasure to his enemy. Someone that he went, I really don't like you. And God today still calls us to be generous with our teas our time, our talents, and our treasure. And I know as I say that, some of you might be thinking, well, Dave, that's well and good for you, but mind your own business. But see, for many of us, this isn't easy. For the priest and the Levite, this wasn't easy. And there's lots of reasons why we struggle to be generous. And a lot of those are valid. A lot of those can be explained away. But Jesus calls us, whether we like it or not, he calls us to be generous with our lives, to live lives of generosity. And I've been thinking through this week going, but how do you explain that? What do we do? Do we just raise that, you know, send the offering bucket around for the third time? We're not going to do that. Just, just want to just go everyone. But for me, I realised that a bit of a key, for me at least, is found in verse 33. where where it said that the Samaritan took pity. Another translation says that it it, it took compassion on the man. Now, the Greek word that's translated here is on the screen behind me. And uh, if anyone can say that, I hope it's on the screen. Yep, there it is. Good luck. Yep, you all sounded brilliant. All straight A's in Greek. Okay, everyone. This word here translated it's the one word that's translated to mean pity or compassion and it means to be moved from your bowels in other words you know you know how you can you can have compassion here and it's kind of gone today you know it's here today gone tomorrow but you know the the kind of compassion he's talking about is found here you know that one that's like oh i've got compassion and i feel it from the very depth of who i am you know what i love and I just got geeked out on this during the week as I, was, as I was doing a little bit of research and looking at it. You know what I love? Are you ready? Are you ready? Okay, three people are ready. That's good for the rest of us. We'll get there. What I love is that this phrase here that's translated pity or compassion is only ever used just a handful of time in the whole entire Bible. And do you know where it's used? It's used when, when in reference about Jesus and His compassion and love for us. Not not another human being to one other human being, but it's only ever used when it's, when it's God, the Son of, you know, when Jesus, the Son of God, the, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, when he looks at and calls and loves and has compassion on you. And this is the love that the Samaritan man had for his arch nemesis, for his arch enemy. See, what blows my mind is that, remember remember Samaritans, Jews don't like each other. In fact, hate each other desperately. And Jews hated Samaritans so much so that they would go out of their way to try and avoid. There was only one road that would go from Jerusalem to Jericho. Only one road. And it nicks past and goes sort of just a little bit past uh, Samaria. And so Jews wouldn't do that. And so what they would prefer to do is go three days travel all the way around just so they could avoid getting near, touching, seeing, talking to, filling up petrol at $3 a litre <laughs> in Samaria. They would do everything they could to not get near, to not get anywhere near near. But notice what Jesus says. That the Samaritan went out of his way for a Jew. All to show love and compassion and generosity to his enemy. So I don't know if you've noticed, but love always costs you something. You know what? For 93 years, our church has caught the heart of God for generosity. At Christmas, uh, just gone, we uh, we did our Beyond Hope Christmas appeal. And as a church with our four other campuses, we gave away (laughs) $194,021.78 to some people that potentially we're never going to see this side of heaven in a country we're never going to go to. And yet because we caught the heart of God and said, God, I want to be part of making a difference there. You know what? There's one other number that most of you won't know. Three and a half years ago, we started our campus. And three and a half years ago, Gateway gave our campus $250,000 so that we could renovate, repair, restore this building and launch our campus. (laughs) For some people like you and like me, that most of them have never been here. And yet they gave sacrificially because they went, you know what? We want to be part of making a difference. And boy, haven't they? You know, to date, 118 people have given their lives to Jesus because of what God has done here. <laughs> As we talk about being a church that we live with abundant generosity, I don't know about you, but, but in the next seven years, we want to plant another, another five campuses. And that's going to cost us. So I say that we live with abundant generosity because we're only here today because someone gave sacrificially. Someone gave generously, and so we get to do church this morning so that most of us weren't part of Gateway. Most of us had never been to Gateway, McKenzie, or any other campus, but because of their generosity, here we are in church this morning. You know, here we are celebrating four people that gave their lives to Jesus last weekend. See, someone had to give generously for us to be here. And the Samaritan caught the heart of God. And he caught the heart of God and said, God, I want you to use my time, I want you to use my talents, and I want you to use my treasure. See, giving to God and living generously doesn't mean that we don't have savings. But it does mean that we aren't consumed by money and possessions. Now, what you want you to do for a second, I want you to do, who remembers that whole, is it pat your tummy and rub your head? All right, can everyone just do that for a second? All right, just... Hey, I got it. All right, how many? All right, let's just do it the other way around now. Now, pat your tummy. Yeah, that's right. And, and rub, no, I think I just did that. Other way around. Other way of what I just said the first time. All right, there's a few of us. Most of us are like me getting confused. I can't even say it. Like, you know, most of us are getting confused trying to do it. Most of us are going, oh, I can't do that. That's far above my IQ. You know, oh, maybe that's just me. And so, you know, most of us can't do that. And see, the problem isn't in our hands, but it's in our heads. For those who haven't given God your time, your talents, and your treasure, you're going to feel like that. It's going to be foreign, and it's going to kind of go against the grain. You see, our culture and our world—you know—we've all been grown up since little kids to kind of, you know, earn hard to learn lights and to, to earn lights and try and save as much as we can. But now someone up here is saying, and God's saying, that, hey, what what I want you to do is I want you to go and give it away. I want you to give some to other people. I want you to give to His church so that we can continue to reach people around our community, our nation, and our world. And I get it. I get it. It's not always easy. But when you start to think about your time, your talents, and your treasures, like God thinks about these things, you will find that your hands begin to work together in the right orders. See, generosity will always seem counterintuitive until you try it. But see, I love the fact that the story doesn't end here. But Jesus goes back to the lawyer, and that's where this story this is where this story started. He goes back to the lawyer in the crowd who's been sent to try and catch Jesus out, humiliate him and, and, and disqualify him in the eyes of everyone. And he, and he comes back to the lawyer and he says these words in verse 36 and 37 after I take a drink. He says these in verse 36, 37. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robber. The expert of the law replied. Now, I wonder, if this had been me, this is probably how I would have done it. Maybe not had he did it, but I would have gone something like this. The one who had mercy on him. Yeah, wouldn't you? And he said, the one who had mercy on him. And Jesus told him, Go and do likewise. Church, I want to ask a question. What's in your hands? See, the Samaritan had little time, little talent, and little treasure to help. But history records a young outcast man who had nothing about him that was overly special and everyone would go out of their way to avoid him. He wasn't the number one draft pick that was going to ever be chosen, and it seemed like would ever be chosen by God to be used by him, and yet he wasn't the most likely choice that Jesus should, could, or would use and highlight that day. But that day, he was the only one. He was the only one who didn't feel like he had much. But he gave generously all he had. And 2,000 years later, we're still talking about a young guy who shouldn't have been used by God because of cultural, religious, and every other reason. But he gave and he said, God, I want to live a life of abundant generosity. So what I love about this story is the reminder of when I play Pictionary and when that all-played card comes out. That no matter how big or little, how much or less, we all get to play. See, the powerful thing about generosity is it reminds us that we can't do it alone. See, some of us feel this morning like that what's in our hands isn't that impressive. See, some of us feel this morning like the little that we have might not seem that big or amazing. Some of us this morning might feel like, you know what, I don't have a lot to give. I'm not that talented in some things. I'm not, I don't have that much time. And so I thought I'd prepare a song for you this morning. Just as we wrap up, people laugh. Just (laughs) prepare a song from the very depths of my heart to my wife and all of you this morning. I won't torture you you? with anything more. (laughs) Thank you. Autographs down the front afterwards, signing contracts later. Some of you feel like that maybe your talents or your time are not that significant. Maybe if you're honest, you feel like a little bit like that electric guitar. Max, how much is that electric guitar worth? $2,000 a new. It's a lot of electric guitar. But in the hands of someone who knows how to play it, a 2,000 electric guitar. He will be. He will be. He will be signing autographs and recording later. I mean, I, I watched that and I'm like, amazing at the fingers that are doing it. And then these ones moved up, and I'm like, I didn't. I, you know, I'm a, I'm a boy with ADD, so my attention span's three seconds. So there's no chance that's ever going to happen. See, what I find so interesting is about Max's guitar is the value doesn't change, but the sound does. And it's all according to who gets to play it. So you know what, for some of you sitting here this morning going, you know what, I don't have a lot of time and I don't have a lot of talents. I want to just simply say that maybe, maybe just maybe, you're trying to play it when God needs to play it. God does want to use you. But God has a plan and He has a purpose for your life. And so we want to give you a way to be able to actually at work and begin to use your gifts and the welcome team have got some of these and I want to invite you to join Team Gateway in other words I want you to join be a volunteer and on the back there's a whole bunch of different ways and different things that we do most of which we do here but I want to challenge you today will you allow God to use your talents and your time so if you want to if you want to if you want to say hey you know what I want to know more I kind of maybe I haven't been involved and i just have just coming and consuming. I just come in week in, week out, and I come and I get blessed by the teams and I get blessed by the food and I get blessed by the welcome team and, and, and I want to be part of that. What I'm going to do is I'm just going to get you shoot your hand up and the team's going to give you one of these. There's a little QR code in the front. You can scan it and you can then give us your details and the team will be in contact with you. So this morning, if you want to say, hey, you know what? I actually want to start using my gift just shoot your hand up. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Some at the back, some down the front. Just keep holding up your hand, keep putting your hand up. Because, see, living with abundant generosity means that we live with abundant generosity in our time and with our talents. See, there's one other way and that's we're generous with our treasure. In other words, we We're generous with our tithe, with our giving to God. See, I don't know if you know, but we've got a budget for our campus. And I am denied whether to say this all week, but I'm going to say it, that we don't meet our budget. See, three and a half years ago, Gateway Church gave us $250,000 to renovate and to start a campus. And I don't know about you, but I'm incredibly grateful to a whole lot of people that I've never met, that have never come through the doors of our campus. That have never seen what the crazy, ridiculous things that God is doing down here. All I know is this, I want to pay it forward. All I know is this. I want to I want to do something to actually mean that someone else in another part of our city gets to be part of a church just like ours. that the that, that people who don't yet know Jesus will get to know Jesus because we get to give, not have to give because we live with abundant generosity so can I challenge you this morning will you let God will you let God have your treasure and use your treasure we're here because a bunch of other campuses believed in what God was going to do here but I want to ask you a question this morning is how hard are you holding